This is episode number 164 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jesse. This episode of To Birth and Beyond is brought to you by my video coaching series called Stop Bracing Your Abs. The fitness industry has told you that in order to get a strong core and pelvic floor, you need to brace your abs, always be engaging your core, do hundreds of kegels a day, and all of the abs exercises. None of this is true, and it can be harmful to your body in pregnancy and postpartum. With Stop Bracing Your Abs, in less than 25 minutes total, you'll know how to build strength in your core and pelvic floor muscles while also reducing or eliminating your lower back pain, your leaking, your upper back tightness, or any other pelvic floor symptoms that you are trying to manage. I coach you in this nine-part mini video series to give you clear steps to implement in your workouts and your life straight away. You'll learn where your core and pelvic floor actually are and how to strengthen these muscles most effectively during and after pregnancy. You'll learn why breathing is an essential first step in reducing leaking, lower back pain, and other annoying pelvic floor symptoms how simple tweaks to your exercise technique can affect how you use your abdominals and pelvic floor muscles in your workouts, why you don't need to kegel your way through life and your workouts to stay dry and what to do instead, and lastly, why you need to stop trying so hard to work your abdominals and exercise and how to get better results with less effort. And the best part, it's only $17 for you right now. So go to the show notes of today's episode to get the link for Stop Bracing Your Abs and understand how to work with your pregnant and postpartum core and pelvic floor in a much simpler way. Hey friends, welcome on to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Jesse Mundell and today we are joined by such a special guest, Erin Bogle. Erin, thanks for being here. Are you joking? Thanks for having me. So happy to be here and to talk to a human being. But you know what I mean. I totally know what you mean. Oh my gosh. So, uh, Erin is a size inclusive advocate, a community builder, a mom, a wife. And today we're going to dial in on a few things, but specifically the organization you've created called Big Girl YYC, what this is. We'll talk about size, inclusivity in the fitness and health industries, weight stigma, a whole bunch of things. And let's just in. So Erin, can you give our friends of the podcast a quick intro to you? Yes, I can. Um, 
so I, I just want to be like, I'm 34 years old. I live in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. So you, thank you for the small intro already. So I'm, it's funny to think about um, just how much life has changed in the last little bit. So I feel like it's interesting. I feel like the introduction of a person is changing constantly, especially in this past year. So I would say, so I am a, a mama to a two-year-old little boy. Um, I'm married to a wonderful woman. Um, we've been together for almost 10 years. Um, and as you said, I am a size inclusive advocate and a person always in the search of finding an answer to something, <laughs> whatever that looks like, especially in the last year. I think I'm certainly with the big girl YYC and kind of always um, changing what community means and how I can be a good ally and advocate. And so I would say if I were to introduce myself, I'm a person who's always searching and is always a lifelong learner trying to find the best way for me to figure things out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a, yeah. a convoluted answer, but it's, it's the gosh darn truth of it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I love questioners, people who yes. question all of the things. Yes. That's so what that's you're so it. beautiful at. Yes. Yeah. And you, so Erin, we first recorded this podcast episode in early March, 2020 and which is wild, but the audio got weird, which was such a bummer. Cause the conversation was so great, but yes. here we are in January, 2021. So when we first recorded, it was just days before COVID shutdown happened we so had nuts. no idea what was coming. <laughs> no. Yeah. I know. It feels like we've lived like many lifetimes since then. Yes. Yes. Wild. Exactly. So yeah, what we're going to be talking about today, obviously our ideas of all these things have shifted within this year too, which I think is going to just mm -hmm. be cool to have this conversation totally. again and in a different perspective. Let's start with Big Girl YYC because I think this is such an important such an important organization that you've created and I know things around it look so different based on where we are now with having so much in-person stuff shut down, but I'm super interested to talk about it and maybe where your vision is for it moving forward. So, give us the backstory. What is Big Girl YYC and how was it birthed? <gasps> nice choice of words. It it did feel like a birth. It absolutely felt like a birth. So Big Girl YYC was um, born out of grief, to be honest. I had lost my, um, my dad about three months prior, and I was just searching like desperately for a place to belong. Um, so that coupled with lifelong struggles with body image and body positivity, I think for me anyways, when I go through particularly vulnerable spaces, I think body image triggers often get coupled even if they have nothing to do with what's happening so um I think I was looking for something to like I don't know if control is the right word but looking for something to hold on to and so um I was having a conversation at work one day and a woman was talking about how she does spin class every morning and I was thinking I would love to try spin class that would be pretty cool and in the same breath it was absolutely not you can never do a spin class you're too big you'll break the bike these horrible things that many but that I've learned now many people have run through their mind and for whatever reason that same day I was driving home from work and I thought screw that I can I can do a spin class I could try I deserve to be there just as much as anybody else um, 
and I just decided to put like a call out on my personal Facebook page and I said, hey, this is what I'm going through. Is anybody else feeling the same way? And if you are, let me know. I'm just going to set up some classes. We'll go to classes together. And I got a really interesting amount of feedback from like, I mean, you know, Facebook is like, uh, like smorgasbord of lots of different people from <laughs> different corners of life. So I got an interesting um, variety of people that were very interested. And so I just decided to start a Facebook page. I had no, no social media background at all. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing um, and launched it. And within three days, I had over 120 people following it. And um, the first class that we did was a yoga class. It was like a rooftop uh, yoga groove class, I think it was. <laughs> and there was four of us. Um, and it quickly kind of steamrolled like the more because what originally how it started is that we would go and join classes of like fitness spaces that already existed. So it, not like a takeover, but just like a I thought if we were stronger together, regardless of our size, like the physical size, like space taking up space would be like a very cool thing to take in. Um, but then within, I think it was like four classes, um, I had set up to go to a swimming class, like an aqua size class. It was early on like a Saturday morning and uh, quickly learned that this was uh, a group of senior ladies, regular like exercise spot. <laughs> and that class, I think there was like 15 people that showed up for the bigger YYZ side. And I hadn't called and given a heads up because it was like, before that, I'd been like five to six people. And so that moment I had like a, the, a conversation with like the uh, pool manager and she was like, so if you'd like to do this again, like I'd love to support you, but just give us like a heads up next time. <laughs> and so these sweet, sweet elderly ladies were very, very sweet. And like, it was fine, but it was hilarious just to have this like total <laughs> takeover of like all these beautiful, big identifying females in this space and these elderly women. So from there, I realized I needed to diversify a little bit and to be able to, uh, I noticed the classes were getting bigger. And so I started coordinating um, classes separately and hiring the teachers and finding the space. Um, and this all happened within like the span of like six months. So it happened really fast and uh was very scary <laughs> for me um and then in the course of that too um my wife and I were planning a family so I was going through uh fertility at that time too so after about um maybe about I think about nine months of doing Big Girl YYC um I was pregnant I got pregnant and that just changed as you know, that changes your everything. So I all of a sudden became very frightened of the internet and all of a sudden got into like protective mama bear mode and just wasn't sure what I what I could do in terms of big girl YYC. So it shift, so it made a big shift at that point. And I just decided I need to take a bit of a, a step back. Um, and then I was gone for probably about a year and then I came back, but I knew that if I was coming back, it had to be, it had to look different. So as I had mentioned at the beginning, I'm always searching uh, I'm a huge worrier. I have uh, anxiety. So I'm constantly like questioning my decisions and what's best for me and my family. And um, and so I knew if I was going to come back, it had to be a way that felt good for me and felt possible because Bigger YYC became a full-time job on top of a other full-time job that I had that was my daytime job. And then I was a mom and a wife on top of that. So it kind of shifted into more of a um, an online community and Big Girl YYC has always kind of played, had two identities. There was like the Big Girl YYC that was the classes. And then there's Big Girl YYC that was me, which is how I identified. I'm in, in 
simple terms, I'm big, I identify as a girl, and I live in Calgary. <laughs> so I was trying to kind of curate um, a different type of what that looked like. So Big Girl YYC as it stands today is a little bit still of an evolving space, but it's kind of turned into more of a community building space and a place where I can be an advocate for size um, and conversation and to be able to um, curate a little bit of a different voice. That's the long-winded version, but that's where we are. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. so great. Okay, so tell us a bit more about the energy, the vibe, the feelings that you were getting from the participants who were coming to class, whether it was in that overtaken aqua size class or when it was when you would do <laughs> classes that were specifically big girl yyc participants only what were the people feeling and saying to you i think that was one of the most shocking like still now like i started that i started big girl yyc in 2017 and even four years later i'm looking at it and going like like i i have all these things that like spin in my head constantly about um the worry piece of like body image and you ju I just thought I was so alone in thinking these things and I remember the energy in the classes was like this like incomparable feeling of belonging like we had people we had moms that would bring their teenage daughters who were like 14 and then I had um women who were in like their 70s who would come and be like I have never been able to to show up for myself like this and so to have like that kind of energy in a room so it was like anxious excitement almost it was like this place of like really can I be here like I can just be doing this which was an interesting shift like I think when I was doing the classes that was so exciting but it also I felt this immense amount of guilt when I stopped doing the classes because I knew that it was this like beautiful safe space for people and for me and for so many so I think um yeah if you could describe the feeling it was just like an anxious like beautiful energy of belonging it was very powerful yeah yeah that's so beautiful and I think you know for me as a fitness professional and so many other fitness and health professionals who listen into this show it's really mm -hmm. that realization that so many people don't feel haven't felt safe in yes. our spaces mm -hmm. and to sit with that the discomfort that that might bring about but the fitness industry is just so deeply rooted in fat phobia and diet culture mm -hmm. and it is yeah like you're saying we are perpetuating these feelings of non-belonging for yes. so many people mm -hmm. so many <laughs> it's like and to, it was amazing to see the age range that came and to see the commonality between every like decade of human like feeling the same way I was like how like what how did we get here how are we still here it's just wild yes Yes. How are we still here when there are 70 year old people who also have never felt, you know, like fully comfortable in their yes. bodies, in a fitness environment? Yeah, it's deeply sad. It's deeply sad. Deeply. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, it's heart, it's heart wrenching. Like I just, it, yeah, it's, hor it's horrible. Yeah. Which why I think it is so cool to also hear about that 14 year old kid who came to class <laughs> and that makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. And you just want these spaces to be able to exist for 
for that kid and their friends and Mm -hmm. as they grow and it shouldn't be that you feel badly that your space like you need to take a break your space can't (laughs) exist right now whatever because you're the only option for these people in this city Mm. with millions of people like that we can't have that continue no I know it's hard and I think and there's been some changes I would say like in the last few years but like minimal like it's still it feels like such an a long road to go still so it's hard it's hard to think about that yeah but and what I think is so interesting now having this conversation with you again like we were Mm -hmm. saying we talked the first time right before COVID and now through almost a year pandemic the messages that we've been seeing about certain types of bodies Mm -hmm. and their risk of business and how the fitness industry has latched on to that like it does always and yeah the weight and the size stigma that has been perpetuating the messaging and marketing from fitness spaces to encourage people to be exercising to yeah, like control their body keep their body as small as they can because in some convoluted way we have and so that is yeah, that is just really interesting now revisiting this conversation and having, having seen this through the last year from this lens added on. Oh my gosh, is that ever true? I know it's, and like, and how quickly the finger got pointed at that being the worry is like, oh, you're at this weight, you're probably going to die. Like not even like a, it's just like the arc of panic that just is like so naturally put into what happens when you're a person of a certain weight is just sickening how 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 easy it is to point blame and to say that oh this is going to be the reason this is why there's the problem is just because of your weight that's why you'll get COVID it's like no actually that's not there's a wonderful I can't I cannot remember his name I'll send it to you but it's um Dr. Jonathan yeah I'm sure you I'm sure you follow him but he's from Britain and he just has done so much great work at like combating the realities of those conversations because they are dangerous yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah we'll link that in the show notes Dr. Jonathan yeah I forget the handle on IG but very important Mm -hmm. yeah Yes, I do want to mention there's one group in Calgary that opened um, uh, by a person. Her name is Tenille. So she just launched like kind of mid-pandemic. Um, her She's called Worthy AF, YYC. And she started doing some like body positive classes in Calgary. So just in case there's anybody listening to this who's searching for things, then that's a person that you can reach out to as well. Love it. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. So for the fitness and health professionals listening in what would your advice be to them for making their spaces whether that is online or in person feel more be more size inclusive and fat positive for the clients and patients coming to see them or hiring them such an important question I think one of the biggest things you could do is to like take a step back and look at this 
this space that you've curated. So whether you own like an actual gym or whether you're an online person, I think making sure like if you, you if you own a gym, think about like what do your facilities look like? Do you offer towels for people? Are they big enough towels to like cover a big bodied person? Are your um like are your weights, are your systems, like how are they set up? Like are they spaces that feel inclusive for anybody like over a certain body type? Or is there a safe space? Do you have something um, as part of your company values that you're an inclusive company? I think being able to establish that you're a person that is going to head into the fitness space without judgment is a really important space to start because it's easy to assume and say like, oh yeah, I, I accept everybody. But if nobody ever knows that, then nobody will know that you're an actual safe space to be a part of. So I think that's one thing that you do among uh, many beautiful things you do, but like there's no secret and somebody could reach out to you and know that you'll just meet them wherever they're at. So I think, and, and also head into it without intention of making the person lose weight. Like if that's the question you're thinking is like, I'm going to help you because I'm going to help this person lose 50 pounds and they're going to feel better. That's how I can help them. I'll accept them as they are right now, but we're going to lose the weight. So don't worry. Don't, do not do that. Please don't do that. Please like listen to the person. If that's the goal of the client and that's their personal choice that they want to lose the weight, great. But please don't project that that's how they're going to be acceptable in society. I think, and if that's the take that you are currently sharing, I would just invite you to really dig deep into, and to ask why that's the most important part of how you measure success for your clients. Yes. Yes. All yeah. of that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for everything you do. You're so, I'm, your posts are just always hit me right in the heart. I just feel so seen all of the time. And I'm just so grateful to you for that. Wow. Thank it's you. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And as you were saying that specifically about not assuming that a person is coming to you with a weight loss or fat loss goal, or that when they lose weight, all these incredible things are going to happen in their mm-hmm. life magically. Yep. This is also, you know, specifically in the work that I do in pregnancy and postpartum fitness, mm-hmm. and let's specifically think about postpartum fitness. Mm-hmm. That is what we see as the messaging and the marketing Like, why else would you be exercising postpartum? Like, the only idea we can think Mm -hmm. of is to make your body smaller, to Mm -hmm. shrink it after this event of pregnancy that made it bigger. Well, now let's fix it by trying to reverse all of those effects and to look like Mm -hmm. you were never pregnant or you never birthed a baby. So just thinking about how ingrained this is in everything we see and it's so sneaky and subtle in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think you really hit on that with saying, okay, yeah, you, you know, you maybe you don't want to lose weight right now as we get started working together, mm-hmm. but, you know, down the road, you probably will want to, and then you'll feel all these kinds of amazing ways. Yes. But I'm wondering if you can talk about, Maybe the sneaky, subtle ways that you see diet culture or fat phobia or anti-fatness in these health and fitness spaces from your perspective. Mm. Oh my goodness. I feel like, uh, like what's that? Um, Noom 
new yes. is that okay so I feel like they have taken this really interesting approach to be fair I don't I don't know a ton because I try not to engage with yeah advertisements but the, the things that I've seen and it's it's enough in just the imagery like on like a social media ad that sticks with me is like trying to almost like personify obesity into like this like like often the images I'll see will like are like friends sitting on a couch talking about like how much better their life is now that they've lost weight and so it's like this way that's like it's like attacking vulnerability to be like oh look at this like friendly conversation that's happening about these two people feeling very unhappy with themselves but then look what Noom did it made everything better so I think that is very subtle because it's not like it's not in your face it's like um gentle it's like a gentle delivery of like here's how you can be a better human and here's here how here's how easy it is so I think that we don't even know how much it just like soaks into our brains like as we're just scrolling <laughs> social media I think just seeing like a five second image a five, a five second conversation that happens is all of a sudden saying hey you're not good enough or like the conversations around like you were talking about about COVID about just the word obesity and COVID is like oh you're higher risk so that's like that could be 10 seconds of a person's day and then all of a sudden the rest of their day is taken over by saying oh my gosh I'm a higher risk for this terrifying disease because I'm x amount of weight so I think the subtleties and the sneakiness you hit the nail on the head I think that is how people adapt because it's about saying you know what, you're just not good enough to how you are. And I'm just going to like come in through your psyche and just <laughs> worm into your brain so that it just, you just carry it with you. It's just, it's wild. It's a wild, wild, dangerous industry that people have created so much um, darkness around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think you really hit it. It's just this, yeah, this perpetuation of fears anxieties mm -hmm. that get you so in your head about mm -hmm. your body and make you very scared in many yeah. ways yeah. yeah even I thought I just um the I think it's I don't know if it's the government of Alberta the government of Canada but it's all this like imagery about COVID and it was like COVID hates a loves a party and it's like there's a group of like um people sitting in a room like all having like a wine night and they're like laughing and then there's one person that has like a COVID, like looks like a COVID head person, like the disease, like the, what is it called? It's like, you know, the imagery, like the red, like spiky yes. things, that's the person's head. But the person that's wearing the COVID head is a big bodied person. So I was like, that was a choice that didn't have to be made, or maybe it wasn't thought out. And that's the kind of sneakiness of like, it's not talking about obesity, but it's saying the one person in the room that uh, has COVID it also is a larger bodied person. So that's the sneakiness. That's whether it was intentional or not, it wasn't thought, it wasn't thought about, it wasn't considered. So those are the kind of things that people see and <laughs> notice when you're a big person. Yes, yes. Oh, that's infuriating. Yeah, it was a bit, I, and it pops up all, all the time, right? Because it's a COVID ad. So it's seen often. So yeah, it's very heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that that's at the root of what we're trying to get at with 
this conversation and every conversation that we have mm-hmm. together is this yes. questioning. Like, how yes. does that add that public health ad from the government of our country mm-hmm. get to make it on the airways of media? Right. How yes. does that shit happen? Yes. I th- well, that's, yeah, I mean, there's so many conversations we could have about big things I'm just thinking about it's like the choices that people make who make advertisements hold literally all the power and the fact that it's just not thoughtful whether it's about the choices of body size or race or Mm -hmm. like the sexuality that's viewed like it's just the choices need to change so in such a big way (laughs) there needs to be a more diverse audience and or if you're in the marketing industry think twice please think Mm. like consider all aspects of an ad yeah yeah and who are the people in the room who are making those decisions yes what kinds of people were there I think we can probably guess absolutely yeah yeah and even thinking about the person that was like the COVID head like thinking that I was like I wonder how they feel like do they are they like, oh, I'm the big bodied person in this ad? Like just considering yeah. like there's actual human beings, I think is really important. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what was your relationship with your body like as you were going through pregnancy mm-hmm. and then through the last two years postpartum for you? Wow what a ride hey what a ride that is um so I think when I got pregnant I was at the height of like this big girl YYC like joy so I felt very good like immediately and then talking about imagery I'll just talk about the theme again too there's also a very very stereotypical image of what a pregnant person is supposed to look like so um I remember at like four months, I think it's about four months pregnant. And I was like, I want to see like a belly. (laughs) Like I want to see the baby, which is in many bodies. You don't see people pregnant that early. But I just remember thinking like, nobody's ever going to know I'm pregnant because I have a a tummy. And I just, and I had like a lot of difficulty at the beginning because again, I had fed into even, even as a person who was like fighting for body, (laughs) like, um, not body positivity sounds like too generalized but like body exception like size exception I think um was so hard and I think it wasn't really until I was like eight months pregnant that I was like yes this is great like let me show all the tight clothes look at my belly this is amazing like I felt like I was finally being recognized for my body in a positive way so it was so interesting that that like it took that shows what society does is like this only time you can celebrate being big is when you're creating another human being (laughs) and so the end of my pregnancy felt really positive in that and then with like quite quickly I would say within like the first probably six to eight weeks I took a really deep body image dive which is actually what partially inspired me to jump back into the big girl YYC space because I needed to see people that looked like my body and who didn't and like I needed to see diverse body types I needed to see like all the different stories so um uh it was a dark time um and I think you don't realize how much 
obviously your physical body changes, but the internal body shifts that happen. And there's so many um, images that just don't fit what I looked like. So it was a it was a difficult journey, and that's like and I'm in a same sex partnership too. So even what a lot of the imagery is around that is very different than what's presented. So I went through um, a lot of ups and downs, and I would say two years. I'm two years postpartum now, so I think I'm slowly starting to get to a place that I'm feeling like uh, I don't want to say normal because normal is not a good word, but like a little bit more comfortable in not that it's not a good word that came out wrong, but in a space that feels like I feel more at peace. I'll say that more peaceful. And I think I started working at um, Moss Postpartum House, which is this wonderful house in Calgary. And I think being able to see many different pregnant people like in and out all the time is like incredible to to see the range of what people look like it like before like we could see somebody in one week and then they come in the week after and they've had a baby and to see like what stage they're at and it's just I think the more you can humanize things like that and not um fit into a mold of what it should be is what it is what I would have enjoyed as a pregnant person. So I don't know, it was a, it was up to, I had some really high highs and some very low lows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Yeah. I think so many impactful things with what you've said there, but really hitting on that idea again, that we, or our culture is more easily accepting of bigness when we're growing a baby, when a person is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then once we become not pregnant anymore, that feeling, that sense of celebrating the body really peters off very quickly. And uh, yeah, we feel that the postpartum person really Mm -hmm. feels that Mm -hmm. you know regardless of the type of body they're in but of course then there's layers like you're saying as a person in a bigger body Mm -hmm. and I just think it's continually important for us to remember as people who walk through this world and uh, you know make judgments on people about their bodies yes and make comments about people's bodies or give Mm -hmm. compliments on people's bodies to just be super aware of that. Absolutely. Because there's so many more things that you can be acknowledged for than, than your weight. Like, and the amount of weight that we put on our weights is, is takes up too much space. (laughs) Literally, like literally it should, that's not, that's not where the value should be. Like, I remember thinking, almost like mournfully like you read all the memes of like people who just like at during their pregnancies have people that come and like rub their bellies but it's like a total invasion of personal space and that didn't happen to me once and I remember feeling like almost like mournful like oh can you not tell that I'm like please stranger come and put your hand on my belly (laughs) but it was like actually no that's not what I want like in my personal space but it was like please just notice me like please just notice that I'm not just like a big person like I'm you know so it's just so that felt very conflicting that was against my personal values I'm like why is why is it something I'm desiring is like you just want to be noticed sometimes right but it's like do you do you actually like if I was in a different body how would I how would I feel yes yes absolutely absolutely 
Yeah. And my clients will share the same sentiments and their feelings and experience Uh during pregnancy and a larger body too. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, just based on what you're saying about your experience postpartum and the struggles and the difficulties, you know, being in your body Mm -hmm. is uh, what I see with my clients too, is just this distraction So being so distracted by our bodies in Mm -hmm. postpartum and what that rips from us and steals from us and how we're able to be present to the moment is really enraging. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is enraging. And I remember feeling like, so like, like, like disgusted, like angry with myself. Like I remember like being like, I am so ugly like so ugly I remember I said it out loud my wife was like what like what are you saying about yourself I just remember being like but in that moment having her like remind me that that's what I just said out loud was like what is going on like I just created a human being with my body (laughs) like why am I hating on like uh, gaining 10 pounds like I'm trying to feed my baby like I had a lot of struggles with breastfeeding too so I was trying to eat like a lot of calories to try and like have good milk production so it's like that again is like another expectation of like what bodies need to do, you know? So it was, yeah, the, the weight. And the, when I think back on that, it makes me really sad. Like, it's very sad to think about how, how hard we are on ourselves and how quickly that changes. Like I remember right after giving birth, feeling like I was the most beautiful person in the whole world, but I was like holding on to that second. And then that like dramatic shift for like six, eight weeks later was like, what happened? Why don't you why don't you let yourself like bask in that glory of what you just did? Because it's amazing. Hmm. Hmm. I know. Even now, you know, being through two full-term pregnancies myself mm-hmm. and birth, yes. and just working with hundreds of pregnant and postpartum people, still, mm-hmm. I'm like, it is miraculous that bodies do this. It, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it is. How, how does your body know to like create an eyeball and to create like a fingernail and like an entire organ so that your baby can like it's just we need to celebrate this instead of making ourselves feel horrible when like we're doing something that's on it, it, it's it's like I still can't believe that it happened sometimes I look at Leo and I'm like what like how how did you get here like it's just so interesting to think about yeah absolutely okay so as we wrap up here today I just want to know when you might be in these days or periods of time that are struggling with your body image Mm -hmm. what do you do to soothe yourself I think the thing that has been the most tried and true thing for me which sometimes I have to like really dig deep is just to give myself purpose so whatever I am struggling whether it's like a literal physical body part like my stomach or my arms or my chin whatever it is um just give it a purpose like why how it serves me or somebody else in my life like 
I've often said, like my belly is big, but it also is this like very cozy, warm spot for my son. What well, was a home for my son? Or, you know, I have two dogs. They can both lay on me side by side. <laughs> like that's a very cozy thing. Or, you know, I notice my, uh, my double chin often and then I go, well, that sometimes like that's where my chocolate lives like okay that was the purpose that it needed to feel for <laughs> for that for that reason or sometimes that kind of helps me identify like if I'm feeling sad or like a check-in piece like why am I feeling this way like what else is going on in my life that I'm projecting and turning it into something about my body when it's actually not about my body so yes purpose just give yourself purpose and allow yourself to feel why you're feeling that way I think is what has gotten me through many things yes yeah that's beautiful your self-purpose I love that I love that well Erin thank you so much for having this conversation again today I really really appreciate it and just love having love having the opportunity to talk with you yes me too it's actually nice to have like a second conversation after we went through the year we went through so I'm very grateful that you made time for me so thank you Yes, yes. And for people who are interested, where can we find more info on Big Girl YYC or you on the internet? Yeah, so the best way would be through Instagram, which is just Big Girl YYC. Perfect. I'd love love to hear from people. So yes, reach out if you want to talk. All right. Thanks, Erin. Okay, thank you, Jesse. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 